Well, you, it also strikes me, you're a one-man recruiting uh, machine for St. John's. Well, I do my best. Mm -hmm. I do yeah, my so best. Yeah. Got one kid right now that uh, is up there. I think I've pushed him enough to get him up there. Mm -hmm. the, obviously, <laughs> there were other reasons, but yeah. His brother went to Notre Dame, but he's he's a St. John's. He chose a little more wisely than yeah. his brother. Yeah. 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 What's Notre Dame got to offer? What's Notre? There, where is? I don't even know. <laughs> what a, well, hey, every family has to have the the week of the litter. You know, I mean, it's the way it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to No Place I'd Rather Be, a podcast about St. John's University basketball and the legacy of Minnesota's all-time collegiate wins leader, Coach Jim Smith. Today, we step off the court and welcome one of the staunchest and longest tenured supporters of St. John's basketball, 58 grad Jim Bassett, who just so happens to be the 2024 recipient of the Father Walter Rieger Distinguished Alumnus Award, which recognizes outstanding service to the St. John's community and is the highest honor given by the Alumni Association. And as we'll hear all about on today's episode, the former alumni board president didn't find much to enjoy during his initial encounters with the university. But all that changed. And six sons and two daughters have since graced the halls of St. John's and St. Ben's. And along the way, Bassett became a fixture of the Johnny basketball program, fostering a friendship with the head coach that continues to this day. With that, here they are. Jim Bassett and Coach Smith with hosts Tom Connell and John Russell. Okay, so let's start with, talk to us a little bit about how you ended up at St. John's. I know you, you grew up in Bemidji, well, right? There were two kids, uh, Kevin and Kent Howe from Bemidji, who were a year ahead of me, but they were very, very good friends. And they went to St. John's. And when I got out of high school, all I knew was I did not want to go to Bistic, Bemidji State Teachers College, which was two blocks down the street from my house. So I followed the Howe twins down to St. John's. In the first two years I was there, I pretty much hated it. Did you talk a little bit about that? I read that recently. Well, uh, what was it that didn't appeal to you? Well, Father Jeremy Murphy was the prefect on the fourth floor of Bennett Hall. And he was an old lawyer from Fargo, I think, before he became a monk. And uh, I think he thought we were like prisoners or something. Because uh, <clears throat> every night from 7 till 9, we had to be in our rooms pretending we were studying. And then at 10, there was a big master switch at the end of the hall. And that went down, and there were two little lights so you could find your way to the bathroom. And I didn't like living that way. That was not, not much fun. So I, I stayed. Uh, I went through the second year, and uh, I was in St. Mary's all the second year. And uh, then I decided, now i, I got to do something different. In the meantime, I had figured out a way to get on the ore boats for a job 
which was the best job I've ever had in my life. And uh, so I left after two years and went out back out on the ore boats and came back. And I hate to say this, but I even went to St. Thomas for a semester. <laughs> and then I went back on the ore boats. And then it dawned on me, if I went back to St. John's for one year, I could graduate. So I went back for the one year and I graduated. I had to beg Father Coleman Berry for a C and C minus instead of a D. We've all been there. Yeah. You've been there. And which he did. And uh, I had one extra grade point and one extra credit. And I got through. And ironically, Father Coleman, uh, my wife Mary, Tony's mother, uh, was Father Coleman's cousin. No. But we didn't know that at the time. Or he, I know if he had known that, he would have told Mary, Mary, you can do a lot better. <laughs> Get rid of that guy. Jeez. Oh. But anyway, so that's why. Thankfully, that didn't happen. St. John's story. Yeah. yeah. So was it a little bit, that experience in that last year at St. John's, a little bit more pleasant? Yeah, I less... lived at my grandmother's house in St. Cloud. Okay. So I spent half my time at my grandmother's house and half my time at the press bar. Oh, can't beat that. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good place know. to study. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. good education. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. That's great. And Mary could have done better than a guy who was a... a well, don't a rub C, it in. You don't C, have to rub it C in. A C minus that you had to beg for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes. I look at... I've got her college transcripts. And my college transcripts and hers are all A A A B by B A A A, and mine are all C C C D C C. So the kids took after her, right? Fortunately, yes. Okay. I think it might have been my freshman year or sophomore year. Part of the program, one of the reasons I hated St. John so much back then. We all had to find cattails, and we had to dip them in some kind of flammable liquid and then light them and march around the campus. What could go wrong there? Uh, well, a lot of things could go wrong. But that weekend, I happened to be going back to home in Bemidji, and my dad and I went out to a swamp, and I cut myself about 100 cattails and brought them back to St. John's and sold them to kids who didn't want to go out in a swamp for a dollar a piece. And I made about $100. Oh, that was a fortune back yeah, then. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Selling cattails to my fellow students. Inter Inter Enterpriser of the Year Award <laughs> yeah, for that. Something like yeah. that. What, a, what a weird thing to ask students to do, right? <laughs> I mean, it still strikes you as really odd. Yes, right? yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's any... Any better testimony, or we could get a better testimony on anything from someone than leading with, I hated the place, <laughs> and then what you evolved to. Yeah. There's a real credibility that well, comes with that, yeah. that you started out hating it after your first two <clears throat> years, yeah. and you came back, and now look where you are. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, things <laughs> changed. Things changed so yeah. much. Did uh, Jim, did you have, when you were a student, did they do, um, you know, Having Johnny Bread on each floor and uh, no. having a gathering. I, no, Tom, did you have that? The I, I, cafeteria. People have mentioned to me that that was one of the things they remembered about being on a certain floor, that 
the moderator or the priest or the monk who was ever there would bring in fresh Johnny bread and they'd sit around and have Johnny bread and whatever beverage they had. I did mm. like Johnny bread. That's good stuff. Yeah. I still buy yeah. it in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that was a kind of a big part of the experience for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I, freshman year that happened. I think it was um, yeah. Mike Papish was our FR. Those connections are really um, they're pretty important. Uh, friendships are extremely important. I think in, in your life. You know, John, I, I think um, in response to kind of that the comment or question you made um, about uh, how unique it is to not like it. And then, yeah. I mean, to, I, I think not like is an understatement, is your, probably your first couple of years, right? It sounds like you really just hated it at certain points, right? Certain things I about did. it. But then to come back, and this is something that we realize kind of as we get a little bit older, is that at the time we don't have an appreciation for how special it is, how unique it is. Um, and as you get a little bit older, you realize, wow, that... That was a, a much more meaningful experience than I thought I had, mm-hmm. and I'm part of something special, and I want to re-engage. So, like you, we're doing the very a lot of the same things, is we're re-engaging, um, yeah. and we're yeah. finding it to be just an, an incredible experience. Jim, over the years, you know, and it's interesting to me that you talk about Ah, you weren't really interested in St. John's and, you know, you finally got your degree and then you distanced yourself and then you got re-engaged. What, what are some of the most significant changes you've seen in the culture, uh, in the basketball pro? Just as you look over those years when you re-engaged, what are points in time when you went, wow, these are really good things and good changes and, or not so good? Well, int- interestingly, Mary went to St. Teresa's which was oh, down kind, of, Nona. kind yeah. of like a jail down there to a women's jail, <laughs> women's prison. It, it, that uh, was just a, it sounds so, like that was just the times. You went to school and it was like prison. Well, yeah. <laughs> we used to go off when Tony was up there. Mary and I would drive up and we'd drive home and say, why couldn't it have been like it is now back when we were there in yeah. those places? Yeah. If they were just, ah, geez, I, I mean, a little rigid. Like... Like being at the Air Force. Well, I was going to say, you, you, you say all this, and then I, I flash back to you, and then you sent your son to the Air Force Academy. What a, what a, what a, <laughs> he, he went there on his own. Yeah, okay. He, he got okay. in there. That's good, yeah. I don't know yeah. how or why, but he had an opportunity. So well, well when, you, when you mentioned earlier the idea of studying from 7 to 10 and then the lights went out, yeah, I, I oh. kind of flinched. Yeah. yeah, that was very, and then Father Jeremy up. would wake you up at 6.30 or whatever for Mass. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get up, he'd come back and wake you up again. And I mean, you, you literally had to go to Mass every day. But I know it's a lot more relaxed now, and I think yeah. kids go to Mass because they want to go to Mass, yeah. not because Father Jeremy is telling you to get up and go. Yeah. So, Coach, you must have seen a lot of that transition from the everybody goes to mass and everybody's wearing a tie. And when I oh, first went there, I was in '64. Yeah, uh, I I don't think they went to daily mass. Okay, in '64, Sunday usually oh, yeah. they did. Yeah. I mean, Sunday uh, Sunday mass was very well attended, and they had Saturday classes. Oh, that's so great. we had I think Saturday morning classes at that time. So the students were really um, 
are kept on campus, you know, mm-hmm. didn't have much of a weekend. So anytime there'd be a football game or a basketball game, it was very well attended. And usually that's where the, uh, that's where the student section got that energy and became the rat section. I think it was a result of the <laughs> yeah. uh, being on campus all the time. Yeah. And those were the things that they could do. Um, that and the Mapoyette, the bar in, in oh, yeah. St. Joe. Yeah. Um, uh, that, those were about the two forms of entertainment, really. Yeah. Uh, so things, you know, have changed quite a bit. There's so many other things they can do. Uh, than they could not do back in those days. Mm-hmm. And that's why the crowds were always great. I mean, they were tremendous. Were you required to uh, be an ROTC when you were there? First two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But like a big dummy, I, I didn't stay the last two years, so I got to go into the Army as a private E-1. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. Wow. This is right after graduation? Or? Uh, yeah, I went in right after graduation. Okay. And then served four years? No, I did the six-month thing, and then I was I was supposed to be in the reserves. Okay. And when I came back, my chosen occupation wouldn't let me be in the reserves because I wanted to go back on the ore boats. So I turned in my uniforms, and I thought, I beat the system. I yeah. beat it. And, <laughs> but then... <laughs> The Berlin crisis came along, and all of a sudden, I got called back mm-hmm. in. Which mm-hmm. you were you were born at that point, and Mary got uh, some kind of a fellowship or something at the university, so she got a couple hundred bucks a month there. So we got through that year pretty pretty well when I was back in the army. Did you did you go overseas no. during that year? I went no, to Fort Lewis, Washington. Okay, yeah, which was. I'll just go to places you can be if you're in the Army. And then when you came back from that, you didn't go back into the ore No, I, I was. I had started law school at that point. Okay. So I had to restart law school. And at the U? No, William Mitchell. W- yeah. William Mitchell, yeah. 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 Okay. So, so you finished your law degree then in yeah. practice? No, I, I was working at West Publishing, oh. and I stayed there, and... Uh, I had an opportunity to take a sales territory, so we moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and I had the state of Arkansas and Memphis, Tennessee as my territory. Wow. And I was around there the day, the bad day, when they oh, shot Martin Luther King. Is that right? right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yep. You were working for West Publishing couple, at the time? Yeah. A couple of days later, Mary and I went over to Memphis and went up to the Lorraine Motel and went up to the place where he was standing when they shot him. It was pretty, it was pretty, you know, got to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Boy. Pretty emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and, and that city was still charged, I'm yeah. sure, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. My goodness. So did you stay connected uh, initially after you graduated, or did, did your connection to St. John's... Kind of. Kind okay. Of, but, uh, In what ways did you stay well, connected to St. John's? events and stuff I'd go on. Okay. Uh, but then Tom Woodward, uh, I've gotten to know him really well. Yeah. And he kind of changed my thinking a lot. I don't know why, but it just... And I kind of 
did a turnaround uh, to the point where in 1985 I was the National Alumni Association president. Wow. Things changed. Yeah, so it took a while, but was it when your kids started going to St. Ben's, St. John's? <clears throat> Tony went to one of Jim Smith's basketball camps and had a good time up there, came home, and da 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 So when it came time to pick a college, we said, well, are you going to go look around? No, I'm going to St. John's. And I said, you're what? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to go up there. So he did, and uh, I think you enjoyed it, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, and so then once he went, everybody else just followed him up there. So six of my sons and... My two daughters have gone to St. John's and St. Ben's. Wow. <laughs> There's a connection. Oh, yeah. Well, one's up there right now. Yeah. So there is a, uh, how many years in a row there's been a Bassett up at St. John's since, well, there was a gap, right, a from gap. 1958 to 1980. Yeah. yeah. From 92 on, I think uh, there's not, there's very few gaps. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. Wow. But I kind of, my thinking changed. That's changed and, for the yeah. better. Yeah. There's I always said. somebody in your life who changes yeah. your life. Yeah. And uh, Tom Woodward, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Was a big change for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when did you meet Coach Smith for the first time? I think it was 1492 or something. Oh, right. Uh, no, it was 1800s. Jim Blue. Oh, yeah. Memories beginning to fade a little bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, really. I guess when, <laughs> when you went, went up there, that was the first time I had met you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember it well. When was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. But and and when did that relationship with Coach Smith and St. John's basketball? When did it really begin to accelerate? Well, Tony 80s. was the first one up there, and I think you realized you were never going to play, so you became the stats person, and then. Uh, Tim, Tom, Tom was the next one, but he was, he didn't, he was not an athlete. He had just gotten out of the Marine Corps and went up there. And, uh, I think it was fortunate that he had three brothers up there to teach him that periods go at the end of sentences and capital letters go at the beginning, that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's always handy to have people in your life. And then, uh, let's see, um, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. was a very good athlete. He mm -hmm. played football, but he got kicked in the wrist, which broke his wrist. And I think after that, he lost his touch shooting, mm -hmm. but he played a lot. He did play a lot. Uh, yep. And he was, he, was very, he was a good athlete, period. Uh, and Larry, Larry was kind of the superstar for yeah. a couple of years. He was all MIAC basketball. And still has one record that will not be broken, I don't think. He got 11 three-pointers in one game. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, wound up with 30, 36 points, I think, in that game or something like That's that. That's really good coaching. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was all coaching. That did Give him it, the yeah. ball. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. against McAllister. And I think yeah. McAllister used a 1-3-1 zone. And... 
just gave him the ball and he just yeah. shoot it. I mean, he was they great. They didn't guard him. He just shot. Yeah. Yeah. No. He had a great, great stroke. He was a great shooter. Yeah. He really was. We well, played in. You know how that happened. You taught him. No. <laughs> I didn't teach him anything, but we have closet doors, those bipole doors like that. <laughs> so Mary would bring all the rolled up balls of socks up from the basement <laughs> for all the boys. You know, there'd probably be a hundred pair of socks. <laughs> so Larry would go in the bedroom and shoot into the bifold doors with the rolls of socks. And I, I really seriously think that's how he got good at shooting three-pointers. Yeah. Over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. We played in Sao Paulo in a yeah. game. And Larry was hitting the three-point shots from 25 feet out. And then the other teams start putting tougher defense on him. So he move out a foot. And still hit it. Move on another <laughs> foot. I think we're sitting on a bench. We're just laughing. You know, he was out about thirty feet and sticking them in. He just, he was just a great three-point yeah, shooter. Yeah, yeah. He, very, very. He had good. the knack for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit, either one, about um, when you, the relationship started to really kind of take off. Was it one of those trips that you mentioned, or I, I think it would be on the uh, probably on the trips because you know with uh, twenty basketball players, twenty five basketball players, it was always fun to be able to go out with somebody else um, <laughs> and come back at a reasonable time um, <laughs> where the players would stay out and stay out and stay out, and Jim and Mary and I would get out and we'd you know go out and grab a bite, to eat, have a few drinks, and it was very very pleasant association and um i have i have to remind jim and i don't think i have to remind him when we went to italy and we're in rome st peter's square and the pope was giving his homily or whatever it is and there's like two hundred and fifty thousand people in st peter's square and we're sort of in the back area and jim is going to take a picture of the, the masses and uh of the pope so he raised his hands with his camera and took a couple of pictures. And then about 10 minutes later, he came over and said, can I borrow some lira from you? And I said, well, why? He said, well, when I was taking that picture, I had the fanny pack in front of me and somebody got into the fanny pack and took all my money. <laughs> I said, well, that's the way the Pope gets collections <laughs> at these kind <laughs> of cost or whatever well, it was. Yeah, they unzip the thing and yeah. took the money out, Holy. zip it back up. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I was nice about to zip it back up. <laughs> yeah, pretty slick. Yeah, yeah. Oh but Jim and Mary were um, were just great on these trips. Um, they're wonderful people and um, easy to get along with. Um, no problems at all. Well, I think Jim stayed out real late one night. We had to bench him the next day. But <laughs> aside from that, no, they were just great to be around. And they were so active in regards to um, our basketball program. I love them. Um, Mary was a sweetheart. We had... We have a picture in our book that is coming out, going from Sao Paulo to uh, Rio. And it was an overnight trip um, by bus, a long trip. Everybody is sleeping in the aisles, and Mary had to, I think, go to the bathroom. And she is climbing over the tops of the chairs or the uh, benches in the bus. And I took a picture of her coming over, climbing over the top. It was, yeah. it was great. It was very, very many happy <laughs> memories uh, with these two. Uh -huh.
Senior, he was on one of those trips, and that was fun to have him yeah. along. He's a really good guy. I think that was in Spain. <clears throat> I think he joined us um, yeah. in Spain. We had a number of parents with us. Um, when we first started the tours, uh, we did not have parents going along with us. But then after that, we started to expand and invited parents to go. And um, yeah, it was we had uh, the Benny basketball team too in Italy. Yes, we yeah. did. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was fun. Well, for you. So <laughs> tell us about yeah. that trip because, yeah. uh, you know, it was fun for you. It must have been fun for a few people. What was going on, Coach? <laughs> we, we stayed in Monacatini, and the first night uh, we stayed there. We, we normally just don't have any rules when we go because the Poyards raise money to go. I mean, they, they fund it themselves. So we feel that it's very important that they join in and get to know the local people and do local things. And the first night, we're in Monacatini, and we have St. Ben's with us, St. John's with us, and I'm scared to death, what, you know, what is going to happen? And they stayed up very, very late. And uh, some some of our guys, truthfully, you know, hardly ever would drink. And that really is true. But this night, they were having a very good time. And uh, the fact, the next day, I think we were going to Rome, and we had several guys who really had a difficult time on a bus trip. But the bus was completely loaded with people. You know, yeah, there were yeah. 30 Bennies and 30 Johnnies and, and some parents with us. And uh, that was still on the trip, too, that our bus burned up, up in the uh, Swiss I kind Italian of Alps. Yeah, yeah and I remember now. Yeah, yeah we had a Caught very difficult time. Or something. Yeah. So you've had buses freeze up yeah. and yeah. burn up. Yeah. I've had three buses <laughs> oh, that have man. burned up in my career. When, when you're in the game that long, it's <laughs> right. all going to happen. It's all going to happen. <laughs> it does. So, 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 Coach, without going into any gory details, any couples come out of that trip? <laughs> um, any Benny Johnny couples? That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. I, I don't believe so. Uh, I mean, not not going into marriage or anything like that. Right. No, I don't right. think so. No, they may have dated after. Maybe that. a European Italian fling, or a, it's true. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 One yeah. semester when we yeah. got back, you know, until we were back on American soil, and realized who we yeah. really were. Yeah. <laughs> so was Europe your first trip with the team? Italy? I, I don't know. I don't remember. I know we went out to Portland, Oregon one time, didn't we? Or mm -hmm. somewhere. Spokane. 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 Uh, was that in the, off, in the summer or was that no, that was a, during the season? It was like the beginning of the season or something. Or Is that when we played Gonzaga? Uh, well, I think so. Could yeah. have been. Yeah. 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 Oh. We went on that. We went on that mm -hmm. trip. Yeah. And how many years did you go out and play Gonzaga? We only played them once on a Western trip. Oh, just that one time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We played in Billings, Montana, and uh, that's when Frank Montmorolitz got his nose busted. Yeah, that's when he got busted yeah. up, and, yeah. and then it was on to Gonzaga. Then we played Gonzaga, and then we played Idaho, Idaho uh, State, I believe, yeah. on the way back. It was like a 13-day trip on a bus. And wow. uh, it was a long trip. Yeah, it's a long trip. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, played Marquette several times too. We played Marquette six times. Six yeah. times, okay. Yeah. 
Well, you only live 10 times. Yeah. Um, bad scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> bad schedule. oh, it's good to challenge them. What other trips did you go on? You've got the Europe trip. You mentioned the Brazil. Well, the Brazil trip. I always say we were kind of lucky because we, we didn't stay in Rio or say with Sao Paulo. We went inland, and people there had never seen North Americans. And Mary and I had to sign autographs. Great. <laughs> what a great trip. Uh, no wonder was, you kept going. It was so, <laughs> yeah. so much fun because, uh, you know, it, it was completely new for us, obviously. And places we went, uh, here's these Americans coming here. They, they look kind of like us. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, that so was Jim, a lot of fun. Jim, when you took those trips, did you either have a son or a grandson on all of those trips that you went on, or it didn't matter after a while? Yeah, yeah. well, I think I did. did. It probably yeah. wouldn't have mattered because they were just great trips. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you were under the guise of being a chaperone, not a tourist? No. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't see them very much because the yeah. kids, because when we were getting up, they were coming home, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. about eight o'clock in the morning. Here they are coming back yeah. uh, to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in Brazil yeah. where the, where the clubs don't even get cranking until about 3 a.m. Yeah. or 4 a.m. Yeah. 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 Very true. Yeah. Was, but we went to several places to eat and I, I'll never forget. They would bring these skewers out of, <laughs> of meat and chicken and our guys were just ecstatic, you know, yeah. oh, yeah. couldn't get enough to eat. You know? <laughs> Do you want some more? Yeah. Just slice off more of that, yeah. uh, that great food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and Father Roman was with us oh, on a number of trips. Uh, there's Roman. a story here, isn't there? <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you were on that trip uh, in Munich where he, we were at the, um, what was Hofbrauhaus. it? Hofbrauhaus. And he flipped, I think, 50 of them. And people were all, all gathered around watching him. And he was so good at it. He finally flipped, I think, 50 or 52, which was a new Guinness record, according to him. <laughs> and he flipped it, and they carried him up. They picked him up, put him on their shoulders, and they carried him around the Hofbrauhaus. House. And it was uh, just a wonderful time. We had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, is that a drinking game? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe no, no. for some people. Well, we didn't drink, so it couldn't be a drinking game. Right. Nobody drank on those trips. So I'll throw this question out to both of you. Um, clearly, there's a lot of value in engaging parents that are part, to be part of an athletic program in college. You've done that very successfully. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what those um, benefits are and whether that's yeah. something that you would encourage someone, uh, either a parent mm -hmm. or uh, a coach today to do? I don't know what the benefits are for the parents, but <clears throat> for a coach, it's great to have parents who are backing their son and also the program to get them involved, I think is really extremely important and um, we did as many things as we could you know to include them and I uh, I don't know if we were successful or not but we usually have a post-game meal oh um, yeah I you know after every home ball game I yeah. started that and um, 
I think I think that worked out extremely well. You know, we gather in the classroom upstairs, and all the parents would be there, and and I would be there if we won. If we didn't win, then I'd hide in my office. But uh, yeah, you go pouting home. <laughs> true, but the parents have been so um, good in backing our program, and truthfully, in fifty-one years, I, I can only remember maybe twice that I had a call from a parent or any kind of a confrontation. I mean, they were always very positive to me, and I'm sure they were not always happy about <laughs> the point in time of their um, of their son, you know, as I would not be either as a parent. But being a parent of a basketball player is tough. I, I really think it is hard. I see them sitting up in the stands, you know, and they they applaud and they're, ser you know, <laughs> sorrowful, sorrowful, and they go with everything that their son is doing, even if they're sitting on a bench. You know, how are they sitting on a bench? Oh, he's not doing a good job, you know. But um, our parents have been great. They really have been. And it shows in the values of the players that we have. You know, we have, we have our players... Whether they play a lot or not, if there's 32 of them, I, I just cannot remember too many of them that were difficult to get along with. But uh, I, they were easy to get along with, and uh, it showed good parenting. Uh, that is essential. I think with the people we have at St. John's, invariably, they are just good people, and the parents are great people. So that's my spin on it anyway, and... Jim may may have another spin on it, but um, they're just great to get along with. They're just fun, just a lot of fun. Can I tell a one-minute funny story? Mm-hmm. You have Bob, as much time as you want. <laughs> Bob Offer's senior, who's now gone, was the world's worst referee baiter. You didn't want to sit within 10 feet of him at a game. And uh, <laughs> I got to know him through Burnsville Rotary Club. And uh, so one day I found out that he was coming to Randolph to referee a junior high basketball game. So I took the afternoon off, went down there, and <laughs> he and I don't know who his partner was, everything they called, no matter for us or against us, that is the stupidest call <laughs> Go buy glasses. You are you are the world's worst referee. <laughs> and finally, at halftime, he came over. You, you're out. Get out. <laughs> and there were probably I don't know fifty Randolph people sitting there. And I'm chairman of the school board, and we're always promoting uh, sportsmanship and all that stuff. <laughs> and they're sitting there. What is going on here? So. He escorts me to the door, and, and then we couldn't hold it in any longer. We just broke up. <laughs> so he let me back in. <laughs> but it was uh, Bob. Bob Sr. was just really a good guy. I liked him a lot. Yeah. And yeah. Obviously, Bob Jr. has become a very good friend. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I think he tells that story. I don't, know, I don't know if it's in the fast break that you listen to, or maybe it's in one of our episodes about his last play as a senior senior night that's it, that's oh. it. and how yes. everybody's booing as he walks off the floor because his dad just got a technical right oh geez yeah. yeah okay i think you know what um i think we have that just one second let me okay and 
there we go. At one of those lunch bunch events, I think it was Jim Bassett, right? That said that your dad is an honorary Johnny. Yes. Because your dad got deep, deep right into the excitement that is. Yeah, that, that's that one where. St. John's and St. John's basketball. Yeah, you know, uh, my parents love coming to games and, and we're, we're incredibly supportive. And um, so I, I played for four years. I, I, I was Smitty's assistant coach for 20. And in that time, uh, at the varsity level, I never got a technical fall. My father, on the other hand, uh, did get a technical fall uh, on us, uh, and it took that took place on senior night. As he was sitting as a senior, we should never have positioned the, uh, the senior parents right behind the bench. Maybe that was that was devastating. <laughs> Put him right behind the bench, and I tried to draw a charge late in the game because I missed my chance at making a free throw and getting taken out of the game and getting a nice warm round of applause on senior night. I I, I missed the free throw as I had a tendency to do, and. We came down the other end. I tried to draw a charge, and, and uh, they called a block, and my dad screamed something pretty awesome from behind the bench. And at the same time, Ed Murray, our assistant coach, jumps up to contest the call. The official turned, thought it was Ed who yelled, <laughs> slapped a T on us. So I'm probably the only guy in St. John's basketball history that got booed off the floor <laughs> on senior night. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, I did. I did say that when I was walking out because his head was down. I went, thanks, Dad. That was awesome. Way to go. That was awesome. And he goes, why? And now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> That's the story. No. No. I think the technical... It all matches up. <laughs> I think it was assessed to Ed Murray, if I'm right. not mistaken. Because yeah. <laughs> he was sit- sitting behind him. He was sitting right behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. To your point, keep a 10-foot radius. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Don't, don't get misidentified as the culprit. Sure. Keep yeah. the parents yeah. up 20 rows. <laughs> You know, one of the things that we've heard a lot of stories over all these different conversations about the, you know, the dinners afterwards and the parents coming up and kolaches. I think Joe Mooker talked about his mom, you know, sending the kolaches up all the time. And But, you know, what strikes me about some of the magic of, of what you did was there's such a transparency. There's such a caring that the parents can see going on for the kids. It would tend to stay out in front of points of conflict, yeah. I would think. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that that was intentional in how you were doing it, but it's pretty tough to get into conflict with people that you're breaking bread with on some sort of consistent basis yeah. and, and sharing uh, an objective or a goal to make the best environment for our young men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, there's some magic there, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we... Tried to, um, I don't know if we consciously did it or not, but I think we tried to treat our basketball team and the other sports that I coached as sort of a family kind of a situation and um, trying to bring people together, uh, which was, which is fun for me. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I do believe in transparency. I I, I really do. Any, any, uh, group that I've been associated with, we try to be as transparent as possible. Look for input from people. Uh, ask for input. Uh, the players, you know, we would. I would ask players on the bench. You know, what what do you think? What can we do better? And we get together with our assistant coaches. Then before we huddle up and get them back on the floor. Um, but again, it's it's 
just our way of doing it. Adrian was great at doing it mm -hmm. also and mm -hmm. creating a family atmosphere with having players over to our house and even having players stay with us for a, a semester or for a year, uh, which we had done several times, wow. you know, with seven children. Uh, Jim can relate to this. If you have one more with his nine or whatever he had, you don't even know they're there. I mean, that's that, that's basically it. So there are days you don't want them to be there. That's very true. I know. I uh, so I'm the seventh of eight in our family. Oh, and okay. I just remember my mom having to go through my brother's names before she got to me. Which is <laughs> Jeff Kelly, Tim, Tom. I picked that up. Every once in a while, did, did she call you by the wrong name? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, <laughs> that happens in our family all the time oh, yeah. still. Uh. <laughs> so, Jim, what uh, advice would you give? You've spent a lot of time as a parent watching your kids and now grandkids experience sports. What kind of advice would you give to parents that are have young kids that are starting to get into sports? We have a really famous, soon-to-be-famous t-ball coach in the room here <laughs> oh. um, who's listening yeah. very intently. Yeah. Yes. Looking for tips. Well, I guess my advice would be to not push hard, but kind of push the kids into participation. If they hate it, you don't want them to be out there playing. Right. Uh, but if they like it, uh, even if they're not very good at it, get them out there. Uh, because the camaraderie you get from being on a team, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty important, I think, for a kid. Have some balance in that approach. Yeah. yeah. Right, not be too a little overbearing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. But, but anyway. it's, it's important, I, I think, for... Um, parents to remember that um, they can't live their own life through their son or daughter. Uh, yes. And some parents, I think, are doing that. I think they're trying to, yeah. they're trying to push, push, push. <clears throat> and sometimes the child is not real wild about playing, you know, and yeah. uh, they want to push them and keep them going. It's good to be a participant if the individual wants to do it. Yeah. I think with, with all your children, you've said, you know, do what you feel you want to do, you know, be passionate about whatever it is. If it's an artist, a writer, working as, as an accountant, yeah, whatever it yeah. is, um, be passionate about it. You're going to be successful. And I think that's, as a parent, that's pretty important. Um, you can't, I don't think you can live your life through your child. I, I think that's um, a very difficult thing to do. Although, recall what, helicopter parents, oh, yeah. where they're constantly <laughs> yeah. hovering above yeah, well, that's not really a good thing. As a, as a child, that would bother me. My parents never pushed me at all. Do what you want to do, just stay out of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was not always easy. Yeah. But you know, do what you want to do, and you will find a niche, and you're going to be successful. You know, if you find that niche, and you're passionate about doing what you want to do. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. As a parent, it's pretty important. Yeah, we said better than that. I, I carry this thing with me because I. People in the olden days used to wonder why I was sending kids to St. John's. So I've carried this thing that Roman, Father Roman wrote way, way back in a letter to parents. Hopefully, and I think this describes St. John's, 
hopefully as we use up time, the way we change is for the better. Learning more about ourselves and how to help others. Figuring out how to think and talk and write and read and noticing that our decisions are improving as our judgment gets better. We want our education to make us more receptive to diversity, interested in important questions, critical of quick answers, and also more loving. We may even marvel about creation and wonder about God. I'd rather be. We fast forward to the 90s as Coach Smith sits down with some of his players from the decade of peace, prosperity, and blockbuster video. This has been No Place I'd Rather Be, starring Coach Jim Smith, hosted by Tom Connell and John Russett, produced by Ryan Russett. Executive produced by Tom Connell and John Russett with Benchwarmers Media. Music and engineering by Ryan Russett. Thanks to Jim Bassett for all the great stories and years of support for Johnny Basketball. And thank you, as always, to Johnny alum Steve Cummings, Class of 83, at Nova Consulting for the use of their beautiful facilities. This season of No Place I'd Rather Be is brought to you by the Sexton Family Foundation helping usher in the next generation of leaders and Sixth Man Enterprises, creating a state of readiness. Are you a member of the Johnny Basketball Alumni Association? You should be. Sign up right now to join the Johnny Basketball Nation. Go to johnnybasketballalumni.org to sign up today or click the link in the show notes. Thank you as always to Coach Jim Smith whose book with former player 69 grad Paul Burnaby chronicling the history of 123 seasons of Johnny Basketball is available for purchase through the St. John's University Bookstore. Check the show notes or our website for details. Please be sure to like, follow, rate, and review. No place I'd rather be. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcast needs. For more in-depth and featured content on each episode, visit our website at benchwarmersmedia.com. Questions, comments, ideas? We'd love to hear from you. Send a note to info at benchwarmersmedia.com. No Place I'd Rather Be is a Benchwarmers Media production in association with Nine Pines Podcasts. I'm Ryan Russell. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Oops. <laughs>